4: Good evening and thank you for tuning in to Exposure on WDBM Impact 89FM. I am your host, Abby Newton. Now today marks the one-year anniversary of the shootings at the Boston Marathon. The shootings last year killed three people and injured 260. The city is commemorating the anniversary with various prayer vigils and remembrance walks. Now the annual Boston Marathon will be on Monday, April 21st. In other news, Google is holding a one-day sale for one of its most talked-about items, Google Glass. Google Glass is basically a half pair of glasses with the capability of a smartphone. Consumers can purchase the glasses today only for $1,500. And another big headline today, the weather. We cannot count out winter quite yet as a cold front broke us from our warm weekend. Detroit reported three inches of snow by 7 a.m. this morning, allowing the city to have its snowiest winter yet, USA Today reports. However, this might just be a short break as AccuWeather says it is supposed to be up to 60 degrees on Thursday.
5: Okay, everyone, let's, uh, let's get started. Uh, is there a motion to approve the agenda? Is there a second? Second. (laughs) Any discussion? Uh, Seeing none, all those in favor say aye.
4: That was Stephen Fletcher. He is a graduate student at Michigan State University who is actually from England. While that is interesting, perhaps a more interesting fact is that he has been president of the Council of Graduate Students for four consecutive years, the most of any president in the council's history. He has earned the respect of his peers, colleagues, and administrators. While you're
3: part of COGS to make Michigan State a better place, I want to thank you as well for what you'll do beyond the boards of the campus to help us assure that the reputation of Michigan State gets better. Thank you much.
4: But his presidency has reached its end as first-year graduate student Emily Bank takes over after being elected in early March.
5: Okey-dokey, uh, Emily Bank.
1: From the movie 300, only the hard and strong may call themselves Spartans. Only the hard and only the strong. My name is Emily Bank, and thank you for your time and consideration during this election period. The position of president for the Council of Graduate Students is a unique opportunity to have a positive impact and benefit and make beneficial changes for graduate and professional students at MSU.
4: I followed Stefan around for a bit to get an understanding of what being president of graduate student government is really like. His day is scheduled minute to minute as he meets with administrator students, peers, representatives, and his staff. Each day is certainly different than the next, and each day has its challenges. Now, to get a full, complete understanding of what a day in the life might be, as well as looking at the past four years of his presidency, I invited Stefan into the studio. We also included Emily to get a feel for what direction the council is headed. Lastly, I invited Director of Student Health Education at Olin Health Center, Dennis Martell, to join the discussion. He is actually a COGS alum and served as president for two years. As I talked to this group, I realized how intricate student government and its responsibilities.
5: Responsibilities really are. Emily
1: Bank, president of COGS.
5: Uh, Stephen Fletcher, former president of COGS.
6: Uh, Dr. D. Dennis Martel, former former president of COGS 20 years ago.
4: So, first off, Stephen, Hello. welcome to the
5: studio. Oh,
6: thank you very much. It's
4: an exciting time in your life, is it? Uh, <laughs>
6: it's
5: uh, it's certainly an exciting time, certainly a, a time of uh, a transition, is, is, is what I would say. Uh, having spent uh, a few years uh, being involved with the, the group, group, uh, certainly going to be different mm-hmm. uh, uh, going forward.
4: How has it been these last four years? You've been president of the Council of Graduate Students.
5: It's been uh, it's been surprisingly quick. I mean, mm-hmm. time goes by very very quickly, and uh, you can get uh, wrapped up in in you know issues and concerns and ideas and excitement, and before you uh, you know it, uh, it has gone by like a flash. Uh, I remember. Uh, the very first day in in, in 2010 after uh, I was elected, and even the first day I got to MSU in 2008, uh, and um, it's just gone by so very quickly uh, from from that point onwards.
4: And Dennis, we also have another seasoned veteran with us today. This is Dennis Martell. He currently works for Olin Health Center on campus, but he was involved in the Council of Graduate Students as well. Would you like to tell us about your history?
6: Well, I don't know you can if keep I, I, out it, the bad we, parts. We, we have, I don't know if we have an hour, but uh, <laughs> I actually was involved with Cog's for six years. I was a representative uh, from the College of Human Ecology, and then I was parliamentarian, then elected president for three years, and then I served as parliamentarian for another two years. So, it, the time when I was with Cog was was a very transitional time. I mean, there's a there's a history of Cog's that goes back several years, and I happened to take over during a tumultuous time when there was a... uh uh, it was uh, an embezzlement allegation, and we had to go through a lot of trials and tribulations with that And uh, before my time. <laughs> <laughs> before my time, and so there, it was a lot of... But we also uh, 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 we had uh, the issues of uh, graduate uh, health insurance. We had the issues of uh, tuition waivers. We had the issues of a union. It was a very, very uh, tumultuous time, and... Uh, if I had known all the issues that we were gonna get involved in then, that I know what we went through now, I'm not sure I would have ran mm-hmm. uh, because it is, you know, uh, it was a time of took a lot of energy and took a lot of energy and a lot of time to be involved in. And uh, uh, like Stefan, I uh, uh, it went by fast. Mm-hmm. It did go by fast in six years, and it was like, whoa, all the issues we dealt with. Right.
4: And now we're transitioning into Emily Bank, who's the new president of COGS. So Emily, you've had a rough day in which a lot of people say, congratulations, but condolences because of this position. But first, how are you feeling? I mean, you just got you know, this exciting new position of being elected as president.
1: I'm very excited for this opportunity, especially because it's an opportunity to start fresh mm-hmm. since we have had a seasoned veteran in the <laughs> position for so long. Um, so I think it's a great opportunity to bring a fresh
4: perspective to mm-hmm. the table. Mm-hmm. And you started with the Associated Students of Michigan State University. Just last year you finished up there. So how are you taking you know, your skills learned in uh, undergraduate student government as well as this first year of graduate student government finished and now into this elected position as a second year graduate student?
1: Sure. So it's um, it's been a... A, a good transition, I think. So mm-hmm. far, I think that my work with ASMSU has definitely helped. Especially my experience within academic governance um, has assisted a lot. I already I have relationships built with um, some administrators and
4: some of Cog's partners already, so I think that has definitely helped. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you've all talked about, you know, some exciting parts of COGS as well as some difficult parts, but I think it's still unique in that you still serve, you still commit to these different duties. So Stefan, what kept you for four years?
5: I, um, I, I learned a lot from my colleagues in the Big Ten at times when I, when I got to visit their campuses, and um, there's a quote that will always stick with me. Uh, when I got the opportunity to go to the University of Illinois a couple of years ago, um, uh, the president there at the time said that public service is a calling, and when it calls you, uh, that you, shouldn't, you should always heed that call. And uh, I guess I've always looked at this opportunity as, as, as public service rather than anything uh, else. And I think what drove me a lot was trying to get a a high level of visibility for graduate and professional students on the campus. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are uh, uh, Mm 12,418 of them as of fall of 2012. And and I think the more people that are aware that this isn't 5% of the population, this isn't 6%, this is near enough 25% Mm -hmm. of the population. Uh, who contributes one heck of a lot uh, to the academic reputation of the institution, as well as it, it's, its overall mission, um, that always drove me to, rem- to remind me these folks are extremely talented, they have their own unique set of needs, and anything that I could do uh, to help that out, working with people to make sure those needs are both heard and met, uh, uh, that drove me, I, I think, a lot.
4: Very inspiring, I have to say. And for Dennis, you've been now in the university, you know, in this public service role since your time as a graduate student. So why do you do it and why did you pursue it beyond your education?
6: So what you're saying is I went to the dark side, right? You <laughs> went to the dark side. No, not at all. I'm just curious. You know, Maybe like Stefan, and I have to say, I, I've admired Stefan's leadership. Uh, he's a very uh, well thought out, articulate. Uh, goal-oriented, and I I praise you for that. And and Emily, I I wish you the best, too. And when I say condolences, I say that because it does take a lot of work, and it takes a lot of energy, and you will have to know how to navigate the politics of MSU and, and, and there are politics and people shy away from that con- that concept but politics is truly the art of negotiation and that's what it's about and and I think Stefan has raised the level of awareness of grad students and I appreciate that too cuz that's why I went into it mm-hmm. you know and the 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 quote that's always been with me is the greatest purpose in life is to give service to others and so that's why I served you know at the time uh, I wasn't nearly as articulate as well dressed as Stefan was <laughs> <laughs> but and, and you know, and I had I had some I had some uh, leadership uh, ideas about certain populations that drove me into it. You know, Emily came from an ASMSU background. I came from the disability movement. You know, and, and my first couple of years at at the university, were, we served on what was then the student council, which is no longer. in. And from there, it was a natural—it was a natural transition. But coming into the uh, the administrator role here now is—you uh, know—there's things I've had to deal with. There is baggage from being an advocate, uh, and and having to—you know—I did a radio show on K R with the president not too long ago, and she asked me a question about a certain topic, and I said, "Well, it's not right of me to really kind of challenge you on the air," and she said. Why would that have changed in the 30 years I've known you? Because you, know, <laughs> you have to challenge certain uh, uh, individuals, and when you switch over to the other side, to, the, uh, to the, uh, being an administrator, you deal with some of that baggage, but you also have to form new relationships. Mm-hmm. Because as a student, you have the most power. The student voice is the most powerful voice on this campus and that's the advice i would give you emily's never forget that students can say what they want as an administrator i can say some things but <laughs> <laughs> i have to i have to be ready for the the possible uh, payback on that
4: and that was my next question what was that transition like you know being uh, someone who fought for the student voice, and then being an administrator who's, you know, working for the student voice as well as working for the university in general.
6: Well, it gives you, it gives you both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you both sides of perspective. I've learned things as an administrator that uh, I thought, well, you know, as a student, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, and now I learn, I, I see the other side of it. Uh, it it's not a difficult. Tra- it wasn't a difficult transition for me because I have quite the history here mm-hmm. at MSU, and I got to know Doctor. I've known Doctor. Simon for 30 years. I've known just about most of the folks here and sometimes in an adversarial role and sometimes in a collaborative role and so for me to transition over but now having been in the service of cogs and having been a student voice that's all i do i -hmm. talk about the student voice and in any every meeting i'm in i talk about uh, what do the students want and so that's given me both sides so Mm -hmm. the transition wasn't difficult it just makes you want to even serve more for students
4: what would do you wish you would have known as a student, you know, in your role with the Council of Graduate Students that you know now, perhaps?
6: Uh, There are different reasons why people do different things. (laughs) Uh, I think your biggest challenge, Emily, and and Stefan did a great job, is managing the characteristics and personalities that are the university. I once had a uh, I once knew a gentleman by the name of Dominic Jacobetti. He was a representative of the Upper Peninsula, a very, we would call him the godfather of the UP. He served down here in Lansing. And he said to me one time, Dennis, if you can navigate the politics of MSU, you'll have no problem downtown. None. <laughs> words, there, there is a lot of <laughs> politics here. And don't think of it as a negative concept. Mm-hmm. It is by anthropological uh, you know, renderings Politics is the art of negotiation. It's about how to negotiate with people for the things that you think your population want. You know, once it was once said by uh, Rosalind Carter that a leader is someone who takes people where they want to go, but a good leader is someone who takes people where they don't necessarily want to go but need to be. And so you have to decide. I think many times, and for student leaders, I say like you have to decide what kind of leader you want to be.
4: Mm-hmm. Right. And now, Emily, again, what kind of things are you looking forward to in this position?
1: Um, I'm looking forward to the service leadership aspect Mm -hmm. of the position. So serving graduate students because they have such unique needs compared to undergraduates. And I think um, that one thing that I'm going to try and work on is creating a stronger sense of community among graduate students because um, they're oftentimes isolated within their departments or Mm -hmm. within their colleges. So Hosting events where graduate students can come together and have a community. We already have many of those. Um, but just creating a welcoming environment where mm-hmm. graduate students can get to know
4: each other. And having almost finished <laughs> your first year of graduate school, have you been surprised by kind of what it was like being a graduate student? Um,
1: I, I It's everything I expected okay. it to be, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had great mentors. I have two here with me with right now. Um, who have helped me along the way and have given me guidance. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that greatly. Thank you. And
4: Stefan, looking back on your four years of leadership, what are you most proud about?
5: I think if, if you looked thematically overall, I, I think the aim was to raise the visibility mm-hmm. of graduate and professional students and try and work a little bit on that sense of community, uh, that sense of uh, attachment and, and changing the the belief that I heard when I first got here which was as graduate students will always be just attached to their departments and graduate students will always be more attached to their undergraduate institution. Uh, I, I I think that that is flawed uh, that logic and, and doesn't really give full credit to the set of experiences MSU has to offer uh, as well as what what does it mean mm-hmm. to be a graduate or professional student at Michigan State University and I think if, uh, uh, you know, we've tried to help shape that a little bit and put us on, on the foundation of doing that. There there are more specific accomplishments, the partnership with the credit union uh, and Dr. Shu in terms of expanding our conference grant program, uh, our outreach to the distance medical campuses who pay the COGS tax, but what does that mean when you're in Grand Rapids or Macomb or Detroit? How can you... Um, incorporate those groups of students uh, and, and allow them to, to still feel connected back to the MSU community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so those are just a, a few things that I can think of. Mm-hmm. N-
6: let me comment on what I think <laughs> his accomplishment is, because when you invest six years in an organization and you really believe in graduate education, you're pretty critical about how an organization is run after you leave. Mm-hmm. And, and I've watched COGS over the 25, so, Use, And one of the things Stefan has done is he's, he, he's kept the graduate student agenda in the forefront. You know, there were many times during the years, five years, 10 years back, when I'd go, Cogs isn't in the newspaper. They're not in the agenda. I don't hear them being talked about. It's not, and I would get upset because, I've you know, our agenda was keep them in the forefront, keep the agenda in the forefront, because whether you like it or not, when you have a voice, and you have the power behind that voice, and you keep it in the forefront, you will get the attention. There are 2,500 different agendas on this campus, and they're all vying for the president, the provost, the board of trustees, and so you got to keep visible. you got to keep the voice visible. He's done that. I've seen it many times, and... It's it's something that because when I go into a meeting, they say, "Well, Stephen Fletcher said this," and I say, "Well, good, oh, mm, good. <laughs> I've heard it. So I use that. I use that voice, you know. And I was there when when you've talked about uh, things in your meetings. I've been to the meetings when you. I'm going. Yes, he's talking about this issue needs to be brought up because if it's not, then you're you're on the back burner. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I I mean, you know, just to emphasize Dennis's point in in general terms, you know, it it is very, very easy, especially on a campus that is, you know, predominantly undergraduate focused for the graduate professional students to have their agenda be pushed far enough down the table. And if you're not in meetings with the president, the provost, the vice presidents, you're nowhere. And Mm -hmm. that's a fact. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you're not being firm with them, having frank discussions with them, uh, you're wasting your time and their time.
6: Absolutely.
4: And on that same note, how have you grown during this four years, and how have has that ability to confront, to have those, you know, meaningful conversations improved?
5: Uh, I I think you know the, you know, when when we just had the the elections, the group talked about uh, the 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 council talked about the importance of having a stability and consistency. So the group has benefited from having a few vice presidents who have been with the group three or four years, who have been able to move things through like a discounted parking permit program with East Lansing, Mm -hmm. the childcare endowment with the university, Uh, all of these bits and pieces are done through relationships. Can you create the credibility as an advocate? Uh, Can you, you know, not always, I mean, let us be frank, you're there for the graduate and professional students, but you have to work with, very frankly, uh, the administration in, in, in a way that is... Uh, how do I put put it, an undergraduate, it's almost like respectful advocacy. Mm -hmm. You understand your role, you understand their role, uh, but you're there for your constituents. And and I'd say probably the ability to have those frank discussions over time and be uh, um, more... Uh, you know, just candid in terms mm-hmm. of the dialogue is certainly w- one thing that's, that's developed over time because you have that relationship. You know uh, uh, that you can afford to have these conversations uh, on behalf of the people that you're there to serve. Mm. I like
4: that. I like that a lot. Respectful advocacy. Okay. Uh, and Emily, you talked a lot about, you know, trying to bridge that gap and unite, you know, graduate students in general, just kind of that feeling, that welcoming feeling. So for you, how do you feel that'd be beneficial in the long run?
1: Uh, I think that um, anything that can connect graduate students more to their graduate institution would be beneficial since Stefan pointed out that graduate students tend to have a stronger connection with their undergraduate institution. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, it's, I mean, I went to MSU for both my undergraduate and my graduate, so I have to kind of approach it from a different perspective. Um, but I think that it is important because When you come to MSU, you're a Spartan when you're here, but you're also a Spartan when you leave. Mm -hmm. So remembering where you came from and just because MSU is such a great place that you have an entire community of thousands and thousands of Spartans around you that you can connect with in the future. So I think just building that sense of community is imperative. Mm -hmm. And what do you feel
4: are going to be challenges during your term?
1: Um, I think because there has been such consistency on the executive board with members who have been here for so long and there is a, um, we have a lot of fresh blood on our new executive (laughs) board, it's going to be rebuilding those relationships Mm -hmm. but also continuing the relationships that have already been built. So um, I think that's something that all members of the executive board are going
4: to have to work towards. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dennis, with your experience uh, at Michigan State and also just in administration in general, how important is that institutional memory to keep and to sustain as well as, you know, add in and build?
6: It's, it's incredibly important. I mean, uh, I think Emily's challenge is quite significant. I mean, when you have, you know, uh, just did an editorial in the State News or in the Lancet State Journal yesterday, about how we have a transient population here, and not only does the population have to embrace you as a leader and the organization as a leader, but you also have to have the institution. I'm not going to tell you there's not people up there are going. Hmm. stefan has gone. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's push the agenda back because we got we got a new we got new blood as the leadership and okay, and there are so many student groups on campus too that are vying for the attention that you know if they see. <laughs> sounds bad they see weakness in one organization they can go forward and push their agenda for they will do that you know it's, it's student groups and i think the graduate landscape has changed you know and uh, i hope my colleagues don't critique me too much on saying this but what 25 years ago i think being accepted into graduate school was a little different you know it was uh I, you know uh I sometimes think that some of the graduate students nowadays suffer from what I call graduate uh, graduate education maturity. You know, there's a lot of undergrads who just go right into grad school now, and it's not like it's not like it's back 25 years ago. It's, I got accepted into grad school at MSU, and now it's like, ah, I think I'll go to grad school because I can't get a job, you know. And, you know, where I see a difference, you know, and I see a lot of my students who are graduating from undergrad saying, I think, you know, I think maybe I'll go to grad school, like, like it's nothing, like it's just an alternative and you know that hurts their chances of actually succeeding I sit on a lot of, uh, of uh, masters and, and doctoral uh, committees right now and I'm sitting on some of the orals and stuff and I sat on one the other day and I was like, really? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you got out of your masters? And, and there was nothing to the quality that I would have seen in the past. Having said that, there's a lot of graduate students out there right now who, you know, really feel good about being in grad school, but there's been a difference. I mean, we're, there's even a difference between master's and doctoral students, a whole lot of difference between being a master's student and a doctoral student. I mean, just we're to the point we're now asking questions that are separating, mm-hmm. you know, doctoral students from master's students because it's a different experience.
5: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and, and even even the, the difference that, that I've seen between professional students and uh, graduate yes. students as, as, as well, there are differences uh, there and a different set of uh, issues that those populations uh, uh, tend to bring up as priorities over time.
4: What might some of those issues be, just out of curiosity?
5: So, uh, uh, you know, at least during my, my time during law school, um, I'd say that the law students and the professional students have always been very heavily into... Uh, what's the connection with the athletics department? What mm. is athletics about? You know, very, very focused on that. The, the medical students were the first to ask, well, wait, what about this graduate and professional student seating section? And how come we don't have seats mm. in that? And, and, you know, we worked to, to expand that with, with, with athletics and, and they were great partners on it. For, for graduate students, for, for doctoral students on, on the one hand, uh, I think you see a lot more focus on family Mm. issues on on you know on childcare on what does the academic program look like the the you know it it, it, it it's just a, a different feeling and a different focus mm-hmm. is is what i would say um you know being in the college of education now as opposed to the college of law is is just very different in terms of the orientation mm. is and the welcome is is just just a shade different i mean in the college of education it's a lot more uh you know cookies and snack lists and uh and everyone <laughs> Emily knows this uh, a, a, <laughs> a few people, uh, uh, it, it, you know it, it's a lot more of a, a that that community feel it, it, in the law college it was a, a bit different there's still a community but there's there is a, a little bit more of a competitive bent to it uh, <laughs> that, that that is there despite what we all say because especially after um, the recession, uh, mm-hmm. it turned into only the top percentage were getting you know, into legal jobs and, and, and what mm-hmm. happens after, after that.
4: So there might be a competitive cookie bake-off rather than a combined snack. Uh, I, I can only hope there is a competitive <laughs> cookie
5: bake-off and I can only be hoping that I will be a judge. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Excellent. Um, let me see, I had one more thought when you were saying that. Oh, um, another, I remember talking with you one time, and another issue you brought up, which was really interesting, was graduate students and their ability to meet other graduate students, the dating scene, it's very unique. Uh, you can both touch on this. I think it's an important, not necessarily issue, but initiative and um, kind of, I guess, topic that you've looked into as a council of graduate students.
5: Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think and Dennis has, has more data than, than I do, and he's <laughs> he's more of the, the, the guru in terms of the numbers. Well, what I can tell you is the sense that, that, that I've got is the, the the relationship aspect with graduate students, whether it be friendships with other students or whether it be actual relationships with, with, with other students. There is a desire at the graduate level to have that and there can at times be, you know, a question of, well, where can I go mm-hmm. to get that sense of connection with people? If my department is four or five people, how do I get outside of that to look for new friends or a partner or, or, or whatever else? And I think, you know, every year I get asked at least two times, you know, could cogs do a speed dating event? <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, you know, you, you see the... Uh, uh, you, you just get a sense out there that, uh, um, and we, we haven't done it, sadly, uh, uh, or, or, or whatever, but you do get a sense that there is a, a yearning for that and a space that could be filled mm-hmm. in terms of making those connections uh, uh, even more.
4: Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that, Emily?
1: Um, I think that graduate students are looking for those relationships because they want their own support system uh, and someone to help them get them through the rough times. And Graduate students are under a lot of stress to succeed Mm -hmm. and move forward in that next step. So I think that it's critical that we have events like that or continue to build some Mm -hmm. kind of support system and help students build relationships with others. Dennis exposure.
4: We wanted to hit
1: on this <laughs> topic. Is this a transitional point? <laughs> yeah. No, there was a transitional
6: there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and we've talked, actually, Emily and I and Stefan mm. met a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about some of the health needs of graduate students, you know, and mental health is, mm. is on the top of my list. Uh, and I say that because not one thing that hasn't really changed a lot, and, and it's a uh, one of those topics that really upper administration doesn't like to talk too much about is the academic environment for grad students and how the department and or the college and or professors or committees make it really rough on grad students sometimes. Uh, in some cases, it's necessary because there has been a change, I think, in some of the academic maturity of students, not necessarily in doctoral students, but i see seen master's students. But it's, it's still sometimes what I would characterize as hostile. Uh, in academic departments, So I think grad students of anything, they want a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. You know, most students, almost any student wants to feel like they belong here, mm-hmm. you know, and some students will come here for graduate education, just want to get that education, get out of here, and will never call themselves a Spartan. Let's Let's acknowledge that. But I've been around enough, and I've been to the peanut barrel enough, and I've been to <laughs> other places where grad students hang out. And that, I did a lot of that in those six years because you heard a lot from grad students in different places where they could congregate and be feel like they belong mm-hmm. and have support systems and stuff. It's hard. If you're a grad student and you're a, a single grad student with no family and you're a little older, it's really tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets very lonely. Spending, you know, My wife used to say when... Uh, we were just married. I was doing my dissertation. I'd spend eight hours a day in, you know, in a room locked away on a typewriter, mm-hmm. uh, oh. do, doing my dissertation, and she was like, "I'm not even married," you know. So, yeah. it's at that sense of belonging, that sense of connection. Everybody needs it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to see that in the new data we're collecting. That we're asking grad students: Do they feel like they, they have a sense of belonging? And I think it's going to come up that a lot of them don't.
5: Yeah, I remember. I you know, I remember being in law school. The first uh, during the orientation period, and, and we'll go. You know, and um, they actually bought up. Uh, law school spouses uh, during the orientation and and they talked about their challenges of uh, dating or being married to a first-year law student. It was uh, a real Uh, eye-opener and then you hear from doctoral students as as Dennis uh, pointed out who are in their labs until 2am and then they get up and they're awake at, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning and they're leaving and that they have a the difficulty of maintaining those relationships. Uh, but I just always think about um, the student parents as well who uh, have, all, you know, the larger family group and, and how much of a challenge uh, that must be as, as, as well.
4: I know a lot of times when we get into new positions, we get so excited at what the agenda is at the beginning. But what I really like to do is kind of take a step back and look into the way future. So what I want to do is ask each of you, kind of what are your future plans? And Dennis, you are included in this because your future plans are still existent. I'm just
6: <laughs> That's called retirement. I mean. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but I guess first we'll start with Dennis. You know, what do you hope to accomplish before retirement? And maybe not even accomplish, but experience.
6: You know, we're, we're we're working on a concept now where we want to uh, give students the opportunity, both grads and undergrads, to connect before they even get here. You mm-hmm. know, the the concept is called Connect to Belong, which you know we we try to we try to have students uh, feel like they're a Spartan and we go through some academic notation. But really, you know, we have these we have all these uh, new social media mechanisms to connect people and we i want to do that here i want to be able to have freshmen and incoming grad students and transfer students connect to belong before they even get here Uh, have them fill up profiles so that they can connect to the 500 some student groups or the communities out there because i'm convinced looking at the research and looking at the data that the biggest health issue we have nowadays is students don't feel connected don't feel like they belong you know 10 years ago i would ask students 20 years ago i'd ask students you feel a sense of community here at MSU, and I think MSU has done, tried to do wonders with neighborhoods and engagement centers and stuff to try to connect students. But if you don't feel like you belong here and you don't feel like you connect, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in my couple of years, maybe even a couple of months before I move on to something else in my life, I want to see if we can find a way to do that.
4: hmm And for you, Stefan, what's next as you finish your presidency?
5: Uh, Well, uh, I think uh, um, just in the short term, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's a lot of transition meetings with with Emily. And, uh, uh, you know, that'll be uh, a kind of a, a good experience. And then uh, beyond that, uh, my faculty advisor Marilyn Amy would say dissertation, dissertation, yeah. <laughs> dissertation. Uh, so um, I'm hoping to uh, uh, graduate probably in summer or fall of next year and uh, you know, keep on uh, uh, using some of the, the skills and, and some of the, the passion, I guess, for, for service that's built up over, over the years and seeing where, where that takes me. Uh, as a career later on, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm very, very appreciative of, of Michigan State giving me and the students giving me the opportunity to to serve, mm-hmm. uh, um, because you know, d- you know, a guy from England coming over and, and you know, <laughs> and now it's uh, it, it's been just a, a tremendous experience meeting so many different people mm-hmm. and uh, keeping those connections still and maintaining those friendships that build up through your time on Cogs uh, um, and seeing where people's lives go as well, mm-hmm. all of that is just uh, hopefully in my future. So.
6: See, Emily, that, that's the trick you need. You need to come up with an accent so <laughs> you can have an accent yes. and that will throw them off base. They just won't and know it, what to do. And
5: please don't do the Mary Poppins British yes, accent, exactly. Emily. <laughs> oh, I've heard that so much.
6: <laughs>
5: and
4: Stefan, what is your dream job? If you dream job.
5: On, yes. If I could pick... No limits. Um, I would ultimately either like to be a university president uh, or involved in... Uh, public, like government of some Mm -hmm. degree, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether that's, you know, elected office or whether it's working as, uh, uh, you know, as a chief of staff, something that uses that, that, again, that passion for service that I I really uh, feel uh, would be, I, I think, excellent and something that I'd love to love to do later on.
4: And Emily, you told me last year in a conversation that you dreamed of being a provost of maybe even Michigan State University. And I just remember that moment so well And when I heard you got president. I just smiled really big to myself. So oh, she's on her way. Uh, but I'm curious now if that's still your dream job and what do you want to do in the future?
1: Um, I... I, th- I think that's Stephen. Stephen stole my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Competition. <laughs> uh, um, I have switched, transitioned from wanting to be a provost to being a president. I hopefully applaud you. in the near future. Um, and I think short-term goals for me would definitely be getting to know the new executive board of COGS mm-hmm. and the new full council. And first and foremost, hearing the ideas that the full council has and hitting the ground running with mm-hmm. those ideas and, getting them involved because yes it is the executive boards they have the meetings and they have those face-to-face interactions with administrations but it I feel like if a student has an idea they have a right to meet with the administrator so I I would help them get to that point and I just want their voices to be heard mm-hmm. um, other outside of cogs I think I would like to do what most other um, graduate students want to do. I want to participate in conferences and professional development opportunities mm-hmm. and um, just get to know other people outside of my
4: department, so continuing that in my second year. Mm-hmm. here. I think it's important to know that the people who do lead this university and have so much passion for service that's not deflating but inflating as they progress are real people, too. (laughs) Not just big heads making decisions, but interacting and really fighting for what students want and what they believe. So with that, I applaud you. But before that, any final thoughts?
6: No, I think, Emily, that uh, we're all going to wish you the best. Mm -hmm. Uh, Keep your values uh, on your shirt sleeves. Uh, keep your goal in sight and uh, keep your humor up front uh, because it, it is about service, but you can't lose yourself in it. You can lose yourself. You can become starstruck. You can become power sidetracked. Just keep your goals in front and keep your uh, values on your sleeves.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, don't think, but I, I know Emily will do a very, very fine job as, as COGS president, having worked with her a little bit. Uh, uh, on the e-board and having known her for a a lot longer than that and seeing how much, I think, uh, respect she's already accrued in the academic governance environment and and critically among uh, uh, some of the senior administration too. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I think the the, the final thought I'd have, and it's something that, you know, I've been thinking of the last month as it's there, is the work that COGS does can't be accomplished without a heck of a lot of partners and partnerships that have accrued. I mean, if, uh, it, you know, the, the, the budget we have, uh, we're very grateful for. But, you know, if you think about the amount of the, the academic conference that COGS hosts, uh, the work that we do on, on the Appreciation Week, uh, uh, you know, every single person that has partnered with COGS from Vice President Maybank uh, through to graduate student life and wellness, through to all, and I mean it really does take a team effort uh, to get things done. And uh, I think I've I've just become uh, you know in the, in the final month m- very very uh, appreciative mm-hmm. of uh, everyone's efforts in that regard, uh, because the the graduate student population is lucky to have uh, I think a few uh, uh, you know. There are, there, are, there are a lot of partners, a lot of supporters, and then there are key advocates mm-hmm. for graduate education on this campus. Uh, Dennis is a good example of one. Uh, if you look at uh, uh, what I call the, uh, the, the you know, Dennis's long support of the food bank and the impact uh, that the food bank has on graduate students, that is a critical example. If you look at Karen Complarence, uh, she is uh, uh, a heck of an advocate mm-hmm. yes. for grad and professional students, make no mistake. Uh, uh, that she is one of the the unsung uh, kind of behind-the-scenes folks who gets a lot of stuff uh, done. So uh, I just want to thank all those people who have been partners with COGS, who've advocated for grad and professional students uh, during during my time.
4: Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts, Emily?
1: Um, Along the lines of what Stefan said, thank you to all of our partners, but also thank you for... um, the service and your dedication, Dennis and Stefan, to COGS, graduate students would not be where they are today at MSU without your dedication and uh, your service and your leadership. Um, and I'm just looking forward to what COGS will accomplish this next year.
4: Well, many congratulations to these three people, as well as much good luck. Thank, Thank you. you.
2: Thanks, Abby. Thank, Thank you. You're listening to
4: Impact Exposure. Exposure. Again, I'm Abby Newton, and this is Impact 89 FM. You are listening to Exposure. Michigan State University President Luana K. Simon released her annual report a couple weeks ago. Last year, the president's report was called Spartans Will 360, and it showcased the work MSU professors and faculty were doing around the world. This year, the report was called Inside Out. It showcased the lives of nine Michigan State students. A production team followed the students around for a full year as we began to understand what a Spartan life really looks like looks like. Each student was diverse in his or her background, involvements, passions, and career goals. I invited a few of these students to the studio to talk about the experience, but before I do so, I spoke with one of the MSU students who is behind the production work. Again, let's take this one inside out.
7: I'm Samantha Cruz, and I'm a Media Information major at the College of Communication, Arts, and Sciences. And so you found yourself
4: immersed in this very unique project, uh, The President's Report. So when you first heard about it, what did you expect?
7: When I first heard about it, it was actually an email from a professor at ComArts, and it was just a class. That's all I thought it was, was this reality class, and we were going to learn like some kind of reality documentary-style technique. So I'm like, okay, I'll drop this random elective I have, and I'll take this class. So I... I get my schedule, and it's in old Hall, so I'm like, that's weird. It's not in Com Arts." And so I get there. I get upstairs, and I walk in, and it's an office, and there's, like, Emmys everywhere and, like, people at edit bays and, like, working. And I'm like, am I in the right place? And I see Troy and, like, only, like, seven other students. I, I knew a couple of them. And, oh, they're like, oh, hey, you know, this is the class. And I was like, all right. And so they sat down, and they're like, okay, you're doing a real thing. It's going to air in Big Ten in March, and you guys are the ones – doing it and I was like whoa so I like had no idea what it was and then when I got there Jim Peck, the executive producer, he explained everything and I kind of dove headfirst into it. Then we got the cast members and we got a list of them. We had their picture, their major, everything they are a part of, their phone number and their email address and so we got assigned a cast member and we were to go shoot them and get some content of them that week. And how long did you follow them along? Um, well, we got a new person every week, actually, so we switched. So there was nine cast members and I think seven students in the class, so there were some cast members that kind of had off weeks, and we couldn't do, like, every person every week because there was enough students in the class. So, um, so, yeah, so we switched every week. We got someone new, and then towards the end of the semester, after we'd covered everyone, because the semester's 15 weeks, obviously, not nine, and we had some extra weeks left over, We kind of buckled down with one person and tried to wrap that story up. So I ended up switching with everyone, and then I got assigned Craig, one of the cast members at the very end, and I followed him for the last, like, three weeks.
4: What was it like following these people?
7: It was, okay, the first time I followed someone, um, I, I felt like I was intruding on their life almost, and I, like, you know, their friends were around, and they were acting kind of weird with the camera, and... Like, at first, it was, like, really awkward, and I th- I think I was shy, and I was so worried about, like, intruding on their lives and, like, what their friends were thinking that I wasn't, like, getting the right kind of footage, mm-hmm. but by the time I got comfortable, like, stepping into that, then it was actually really cool, and I was, like, getting the shots I need. I actually did, um, Isaac, one of the cast members, lives here, and I came here and filmed him, and that was one of my best pieces, because I was, like, all over the dorms mm-hmm. and stuff, like, with the camera, so... What was your favorite memory
4: from filming people that you had no idea who they were <laughs> for um, their day-to-day activities?
7: My favorite memory was um, I went to Audrey's. She had a practice for an African gala that she's a part of. She's from Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. and she does this gala where she they do like slam poetry and plays, and they just talk about Africa, and it's all African people in it. And I went to the practice and watched them practice, and it was like, the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like I don't know much about Africa, and they were really into it, and... Like these cool outfits and stuff, so that was probably the coolest thing I saw out of all of it.
4: And for you, in a production standpoint, how did the view, the vision of the project change as the project continued throughout the semester and the year?
7: Well, at first, I w- I honestly was looking at it as assignments. Like mm. for like the first like three weeks, I was like, okay, I have to just turn this video and for this class but like once I got more emerged in it and I got to know Jim more and, and Troy and Al the editor and like what this really was this was a show then it became more of a job to me and I, I it's actually funny because I intern there now they hired me this semester as an intern so I actually and compared to the rest of the people in the class I'm one of the only people who got to see the whole thing actually come together mm-hmm. and I helped with the promos and the voiceovers and stuff like that so it was it was it's really different than the beginning of the semester I had no idea like what this thing was even supposed to look like. And towards the end, I got to see all of it come together into one show, which was really awesome.
4: And what was the overarching message that you tried to communicate in doing a President's Report in a unique way and style like you did?
7: Um, the What we just wanted to show is, like, how diverse MSU is, really, with all these different students, majors, activities, clubs, dorms. Like, you know, when you think of college, it, there's kind of the, like, stereotypical whatever like everyone's kind of the same just goes to class and we wanted like I know Jim really wanted to show this like diverse part of MSU you know we have international students researchers athletes and it's really different for everyone so we wanted to show that MSU is kind of a place for everyone Mm -hmm. no matter where you're from and there's resources here and there's stuff for everyone to do here so I think that was like the thing of it is like how anyone can fit into MSU Mm -hmm. and that's what I wanted to show too with my footage.
4: And when I was talking to the cast members, I asked, you know, we really kind of delved into each student and what they brought to campus, what they found in campus. And so for you, if we do delve into Sammy, uh, what would we find in terms of your future goals, maybe inspired from this project?
7: Um, Well, this actually inspired me a lot because I was never big into like documentary stuff until Mm -hmm. this class. And this um, really has me doing so much with documentary and editing that I could see myself. I want to live in L.A. And I want to, like, do producing. And I, I was thinking, like, the whole time, like, I'm going to make a, a movie, a film, like, a Hollywood film. And now I don't want to do that. I want to do TV now because mm-hmm. of this class. So I could definitely see myself working in, in reality TV, to be honest, because of this class. Because it, it just seems, like, so natural to me now. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. And now
4: let's get to know three of the students who were asked to participate in Inside Out. Here's Peter, Kristen, and Joe.
2: My name is Peter Burroughs.
4: And um, you can say your year and your major. I can see it online, but just for clarification, go ahead.
2: OK, so uh, yeah, my name is Peter Burrows, and I'm a freshman here at MSU, and my major is Media and Information.
3: My name is Kristen Kelsey. I'm a senior here at Michigan State, and my major is Psychology.
8: I'm Joe Brooks. I am a junior here at Michigan State studying political theory, constitutional democracy, and science policy. One of those
4: mouthful majors. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs>
8: that's why we have acronyms.
4: Well, Joe, we'll start with you. Um, so we have this big Presence Report. Mm-hmm. And for you, what was your, I guess, um, reaction when you got chosen to be part of the Presence Report?
8: Um. Oh, wow. So I remember the interview, and I was like, oh, if I get an interview. I'm going to finesse this, and I really want to get on. Um, but I remember after the interviews, we got this email from Jim saying, "Oh, you're in!" And I remember I was so ecstatic. I immediately screenshot it from my phone, posted on Instagram and Facebook, like, yeah, I'm gonna be <laughs> on the president's report." So I was really, really excited. And how do you
4: become on the president's report? Was it simply an application <clears throat> process? Was it a nomination? Um,
8: from what I was, well, from what I received in the summertime, it was like, um, and correct me, I think it was like mid June. We got an email saying um, that yeah. you're one of like 135 students nominated. nominated. Um, and then to have, um, a short video by like early August or something like that, late July, early August. So I remember, um, my friend and I got nominated. We're like in DC. We're like at work doing, like taking breaks to disappear and do our videos, which is not classy at all. But, um, I sent in my video and my, um, application and then we heard like two weeks later if you got an interview or not when the school year started.
4: And I was, I was happy. And Kristen, what was your reaction?
8: Yeah, I was actually waking up to go to a
3: volleyball tournament. And oh. I had been, yeah, I had been through the interview process and, again, like, got that interview or got the email that we've been nominated and really didn't know what I was getting myself into, didn't know what this was. But yeah. we're, I'm like, yeah, for sure, I'll, I'll try it out. And so I'm walking down. and We literally, my alarm goes off with my roommate, Ryan, and I'm like, right right I got it. And I walked down to breakfast, and, like, the whole team had seen my little venue and knew I had oh, yeah. been interviewed, so... Um, it was pretty exciting, and called my parents, and again, still had no idea really what I was getting myself into, but, you know it. but <laughs> I knew that <laughs> I was part of it, something. so That's I was so
4: excited. And Peter, how about you?
2: Um, for me, I actually thought I didn't get it because it was like, what, maybe two weeks into the school year and I was like, okay, well, they haven't contacted me by now. Same so. here. I
3: was like, oh, it's late. Yeah, I didn't get it. We're
2: done. So, um, and then I checked my email, saw the email and then I walked outside and it was bright and sunny. And <laughs> <laughs> the world was awesome. <laughs> Perfect. But, yeah.
4: And so you're, again, your reaction is interesting where you didn't really know what you you got yourself into. And I think that's funny because the president's report usually doesn't have nine different students taking a video for a year and showing their lives. So, Joe, what do you think all that was about and why do you think students were brought into this process?
8: Um, I read the President's Report last year and it was all about, like, sustainability and, like, what we have on campus. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I read, like, little parts of it, but I wasn't really intrigued. Um, And I think to give an accurate depiction of the university, talk about the people that attend the university and that's students. And so you have students from every grade level, literally every major, you know, demographic, so we get to see our experience, and this is what it's actually like. You can look at a brochure and say, oh, there's, like, all the neighborhoods and this and this and that, but it's like, we go here, we live it, and you get Mm. to see what life is really like being a student, and it's hectic, and it's amazing. Mm. It's hectic for me. (laughs) (laughs) Kristen, anything to add on that?
3: Yeah, along those lines, the nine students were very different. Um, We did have similarities, but I think that was something that was very cool. Being a student-athlete was very different than Joe's experience, and I think that that... Um, like she said, it's more than just a brochure. It's more than just the research that we do and what we're studying. It's what does a daily life look like? of a, There's so many different areas at Michigan State. Can we pull someone from each area and show how they all love it and they're all in different um, aspects of the
4: university? Mm-hmm. Peter, anything else you have to add?
2: Um. I know for me and I think Isaac, uh, the two freshmen, it mm-hmm. was definitely about the freshman experience because we're yeah. experiencing MSU for the first time. So everything is awesome. Mm-hmm. But,
4: <laughs>
8: just like that sunny day when you
4: found out yeah. life was
8: awesome. huh? <laughs> Another thing, too, just kind of on that note, I thought it was funny that five of us out of the nine were all in the Honors College. Yeah. yeah. We all have very different H. D. experiences. Mm-hmm. Like all of us have this, you know, common like background or like common, I guess, group. But like how we utilize it is very different in um, a good way.
4: I was noticing that when I was looking through yeah. and watching your videos. It was really interesting. Because at first I was looking and you all seemed so different. And then there were those common little anchors, which was really cool to see yeah. as well.
3: And we didn't even meet all of us until the right. premiere. Right. So today like, hey,
4: you are I've seen your video and I've heard about you, but like we
3: met once. And so right. we were all being followed around separately. So to come to the premiere and watch each other's videos and be like, wow, you're, we do have all these common, for being so different, there are these similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, for us and you know for me that was really cool um to see kind of at
4: the end of yeah. all of our hard work absolutely
3: and
2: also to see that you guys are real <laughs> yeah just on camera like we're real people
4: <laughs> and peter what was it like getting followed around for a year with a camera
2: uh well i was really excited just to like share all my experiences with people because mm-hmm. i'm so pumped to be here at msu and um Yeah, just like all the clubs and activities that I want to try and do, I want to share that with everybody else. So Mm -hmm. that was the coolest thing for me, I think.
4: And I think through this interview, I kind of want to bring out those different identities and experiences. So when I was looking at yours, Peter, you were the karate and video game enthusiast Mm, I came to find. And he swims. And he swims. You play piano? Yeah. Okay. The list went on and on. So for you, what do you hope people kind of get out of watching your videos and seeing your different interests and ways of life, I
2: guess? Oh, the biggest thing is definitely realizing that at MSU you can do anything you want to do. Mm -hmm. So there's a club out there for anybody. I think, what do they say? We have like over 500 clubs and activities.
8: Mm -hmm. And if if there's not one, you can make it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Or you can make it, yeah. (laughs) But it's crazy. Like, uh, I just joined ballroom dancing recently, and that's been (laughs) a lot of fun. But just uh, MSU has so much to offer.
4: Mm -hmm. And uh, part of the uh, little identification for you was a handmade suit of armor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs>
2: uh, the suit of armor. It was actually a high school project that I finished up at the tail end of last year, and um, it was it started off as a fashion design project. Uh, usually, it was girls who worked on that type of thing and they'd make dresses, but I figured I'd do something different with it, so it turned into a suit of armor, and. Um, it was like mostly made out of recycled materials. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look really closely, the mask has a milk jug and applesauce cups on it. I wow. think, but yeah, that helped cut down price a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it was supposed to, uh, the world was supposed to end on twelve twenty one twelve. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, this is my post apocalypse suit here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going
4: to borrow that someday. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, Kristen, when I was watching your video, it was kind of funny because you're a student athlete. So you're go, go, go. And that's exactly what your video showed. You're like, okay, here, now i got to go. okay, yep, back here, got to go. It was really interesting. So what was it like for you to have somebody following you around through that kind of lifestyle? Um, It was fun. And I think that kind of what Peter
3: said, being a freshman, um, you have all this excitement of coming to Michigan State and doing everything. And for me, it was my senior year. So this is my last volleyball season. This is a lot of last. This is my senior night. Um, and so I think that was something for me was kind of so special to be able to capture all these moments and share them with people. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I had a couple of the producers who were with me a lot and they started to know my teammates and they would (laughs) say hi to them on campus, you know, and kind of then extended family and they came to practice and Kathy would give a big hug, you know, and I think that was so cool for me was highlighting and just kind of um, sharing those moments with uh, myself and the camera. I mean, my teammates at first hated it because I'd walk onto the plane and I'd be like filming them, and then at the end they're like waving and like get me on the camera. So that was that was really neat.
4: And what do you hope that people understood after watching your component about student athletes and the life of a college stu- student athlete?
3: Yeah, and that was something I've been asked too because there's so many, um, so much negative media about about college athletes, especially now with the whole NCAA restructuring and. Mm-hmm college athletes wanted to be paid and I think it just gets a bad rap um and I I just wanted people to know how much I feel fortunate to be here and um how much of a privilege and a blessing it is for me and our team and um a women's volleyball team that's a that's a stronghold here at Michigan State but still has a lot lot to go um and I think that's something that really wanted to come across that we are all athletes I think um there are a couple who don't feel this way, but most athletes really feel as if it's a privilege to play for Michigan State. Um, and it's busy and it's crazy, but we're getting so much in return that we're not even aware of yet, and that was something I really wanted to come through, kind of the video.
4: And along those same lines, how do you think that your experience as a student-athlete shaped you to who you are today and who you hope to be in the future? Um, that would be a loaded question. Yeah, <laughs> that's, we could sit for an hour and talk about how thankful
3: I am, um, but that's really it everything I've done here at Michigan State um and I've done a lot outside of volleyball because I'm a student athlete and I love being a volleyball player and I love that part of me but um academics are very important so is outreach Mm -hmm. so is my my campus ministry you know and so for me volleyball was always that platform so I was able to do all of these things being a student athlete that I might not have been able to do otherwise Mm -hmm. so playing volleyball and loving it and Um, going out on the court every night and working hard was one thing, but then using all of that to go to Africa or to do all these other things because of it was just kind of an added blessing to that.
4: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then, uh, Joe, yours is really interesting to me because you were defined as an active voice. And in the project, I liked your quote, if not me, then who? So how has your college experience kind of taken that and has been associated with that throughout?
8: Mm -hmm. Um, I remember When I first got on campus, like, that was the year a lot of things were happening this fall 2011, as far as, like, minority students, like, all the chorus groups. And I became president of Black Caucus, like, I did it for two years, my freshman and sophomore year. So, like, oh, this is cool. And then I joined SARP, which is the Sexual Assault Relationship Violence Program, Prevention Program, not. um, And that that was really cool, and I love working for SARP. I became an RA, and I work heavily in the academic and intercultural pillar. Mm -hmm. Um, So, it's just, like... It's, it's so corny. I hate when people say the Gandhi quote, you know, be the change, because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. oh, whatever. But on a school, when you have so much agency, you really can be the change. And it can be small, like, oh, what the calf is serving or how my hog government is running. So I don't, I don't know. Uh, for me, it's finding my voice still and helping people that feel like they don't have a voice mm-hmm. because I am a little loud a lot of outgoing. (laughs) So it's just like how can I help my peers feel comfortable in this space and feel like Mm -hmm. they have a sense of community, however that may be. And you're a native of
4: Detroit, correct? Mm -hmm. So in your future, you know, you talk a lot about public policy and it was highlighted a little bit in the video that perhaps it will come Mm -hmm. back to Detroit. So what do you foresee as action in there?
8: Mm, Yeah, yeah. I want to do global human development as my grad work and specifically public policy and then um, urban environmental policy. And... I, care. I, went, I, I went abroad, too. I went to Madagascar and then again to China last year. So just how urban and rural communities are affected differently as far as disparity, um, pollution, education, it's, it's a huge difference in opportunity and resources. So for me, if I can do that both abroad and at home or wherever I make community, whether that's D- D.C., New York, L.A., the urban areas of the U.S., I want to give back in every capacity that I can, um, through policy and then through philanthropy, if I'm balling like that. <laughs> um, and I hope to be one day, and to be able to get Balling. Yeah, I got to it. We'll gotta throw that pay. in if that quote, if not me, then who? Yeah. <laughs> balling. Yeah, you can balling. <laughs> but um, so I, it, it will definitely come back to Detroit. I'm Detroit Public Schools, K-12. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a product of my environment what's that so I definitely want to get back to the town that raised me and made me the person I am Mm -hmm. and I think that's why I'm so empathetic because I know what it's like to come from a different area um and I've also been blessed to always have opportunity I've always went to great schools in the city so and I, I just also have a mother who's a teacher too so I just really care about other people I think a lot of people care about other people too so I'm not special or different but I think Coming to Michigan State, we realize that no matter how small I am, we can make a difference. Mm-hmm.
0: That
8: mm-hmm.
4: makes me. Agreed. Sense.
8: And with that message, did you hope to communicate that through a video? And if not only that, what else did you? Well, want to I didn't hope to communicate anything. Honestly, <laughs> I was just like, "This is my life. Take me as I am." For me, um, junior year was a year first. Like I've never done pageants until high school, and like I'm really crazy about grades and about work. I work as an RA. I work for star I work in the social science department. Um, so it's like I want something that's gonna let allow me to have fun. I'm in a lot of student clubs. I am in a lot of things, but like I'm always stretched then. So I wanted an outlet for this year, which is why I did like the pageant and the city fairs, um, And I just had fun. Mm-hmm. And it was like this was it was so different for me. It was outside of my comfort zone, but competing and meeting people it's it's amazing. So for me, it's just like you can be this person you can have this voice like you're an athlete you know you do you do everything peter but it's good to say that i'm not just defined by this i can do other things so that's what this year was for me like oh i can do things and It won't like go blow up in flames. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And
4: I think the president's report in general really communicated that in terms of you know you talked a lot about looking at MSU and seeing what you can do here. Mm -hmm. And I think through the president's report you really saw that you know whether it be you know through your three experiences or through social media like one of the girls did or through you know all kinds of activism efforts. I mean the opportunity. Yeah, the improv. Absolutely. So for you, how has MSU defined who you are right now?
2: Uh, defined who I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm having trouble with like putting down one solid definition (laughs) i don't know if i can say i used to be able to say oh yeah i'm a swimmer because that's like my main thing or that was in high school and Mm -hmm. now it's like this whole jumble of everything (laughs) um just uh i guess i'm peter that's the (laughs) the best way i have of describing myself but um I think MSU's made me more of a leader, mm-hmm. I think, I'm um, trying to, well, yeah, being the change that you want to see, so I'm trying to take up leadership positions and, like, start us off the game design club, or um, we're trying to organize TED Talks uh, here at MSU, so.
8: With Honors
4: College.
2: Yeah, with Honors College, yeah. so you can do stuff here, so I think being a leader is part of who I am now
4: looking at your future as well what do you hope to be I mean your dream job do you have a dream p- place or a dream career path
2: um for me I mostly want to go into video game design mm-hmm. uh possibly animation Disney's cool um <laughs> I was freaking out about Frozen love oh Frozen <laughs> maybe I'll play let it go as the thing. yeah, yeah. Of- <laughs> 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 I'd be okay with that <laughs> But, yeah, working in a game design mm-hmm. or animation studio would be great.
4: That's really neat. How did you get interested in video game design?
2: Um, I've always been into art. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be just drawing and stuff, but then it kind of evolved into, you know, like suits of armor and music and um, digital art. So, yeah, I think all my interests kind of started uh, changing and evolving into something multimedia like animation or game design.
4: And then, Kristen, for you, I know I've asked you a couple times, but what do you where do you see yourself in the future? Um, that's a, that's
3: like the $100 million question yeah. right now. I'm graduating in three weeks. I told someone today it was three months away, but it's only three <laughs> weeks away. Um, but currently, I'm planning on going to graduate school here. And um, the Scandal Center at Michigan State is kind of the student-athlete center where we do, um, A, all of our tutoring, and that's kind of a separate um, d- department. But then we have all of our leadership development, career development, and Community outreach. Um, actually, I got a bunch of thank yous from third graders today for oh. reading to them, and it melted my heart. Yeah. And so that's really what I'm passionate about. Is kind of um, as we talked about, I'm more than just a volleyball player. And um, the Smith Center has really shaped that for me, and the relationships I've been, I've, I've grown with there. And so they've offered me a grad position there. Um, so my plan now is to stay here and work for them. And I want to see in athletics. I want to work with people. I think. Um, Athletes, student athletes at any level, um, but to be able to fortunate to be a grad assistant there while getting my master's, I, I don't really know long term what I want to do, but that was an open door and I jumped right into
4: it. So great, and then you talked a little bit about your future career path, but anything <laughs> else you'd
8: like to add in that realm? Um, I would, I would love to work for USAID or the UN, so just putting that out there. They're yeah. listening to Impact. Um, <laughs> hire me. Hire me. <laughs> I need five more years, and I'm ready to work. Yeah.
4: Right. Um, and then my last question, too, is has it gone fast? You know, not only looking at this last year where you had a camera around
8: you every once in a while, but your whole college experience. What do you think? Yes. I still remember the first day I moved on campus and getting lost on my way to Brody right before late night so I, was, I remember my first move in, I remember every first day of school, but it feels like August 2011 was literally yesterday. And I, I see the progression and the growth in like me and like all of my friends, and even my professors, how much they've changed and grown, but it still feels like I graduated from high school mm-hmm. a week ago. And it's scary and it's amazing, but it goes by so quickly, Peter.
4: Yeah, Peter, you know, you're living in Brody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what do you think? Uh, you just are almost at the conclusion of your freshman year. Has it gone fast?
2: Um, for me, uh, I'd actually say it hasn't gone as fast as you might think. Okay. I mean, for me, like, I feel like time moves a little slowly, but maybe it's just because I'm doing so much stuff. So, like, one day feels like a week. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, I feel like I've been here a while, and it's – but I do feel like I'm part of this family and everything. Like, I know it's only been a year, but it's uh, part of who I am now, so.
3: Great, and Kristen? Yeah, I was just listening to you talk, Peter, and I distinctly remember being that freshman kind of opening my eyes to like, wow, this is a big school, like, where's my niche? Um, And now, again, looking back and forth, it's been four years, and I have to say, it, it feels like it's been a couple months. Um, and I know everyone says that as a freshman. You think, oh my gosh, this freshman year took forever. Like, I'm not going to graduate anytime soon. And um, I, it's it goes by so fast, and they are some of the best years of your life. So cherish them and um, take advantage of them, which Peter's clearly doing. But I know someone at the premier said, say yes to everything. Oh, um, Because you're going to have a problem saying that was, no. That was Craig. Yeah. Was like, cra-
8: say yes, you can do it. He's like,
3: you don't need sleep. And you're kind of joking. But yeah. I've been reflecting on that. It's like, I'm not a person who says no very easily, but if that's my worst trait, then look what I've done with that, you know? And I think that's something that um, I was encouraged to do freshman year, is just just take every opportunity that's given to you, and if you overlap, then it's a blessing to have too much to do. And I think that's something that I can look back and really say that with no regrets I did that.
8: I think all of us said that too, like in our video. Like if 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 my biggest stress is, oh, I have so much on my plate, I'm so like privileged to be here, then that's a good stress to have. Yeah. Exactly. I don't sleep, but I'm, I go here, so mm-hmm. it's worth
4: it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a liberating, very inspiring presence Report, I have to say. And with that, I think everyone should say yes to watching it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll more about these guys. <laughs> Always say yes. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. Abby.
0: see a kingdom of isolation and it looks like i'm the queen
4: conclude exposure on this fine Tuesday evening. Thank you for joining us tonight. Special thanks to our producer, Gabriela Saldivia, station manager, Sam Riddle, and general manager, Ed Glazer. Tonight's show and all other exposure shows can be found on our website at www.impact89fm.org. Until then, keeping you informed and bidding you farewell until next time, I'm Abby Newton, and this is Impact Exposure 89FM.
0: to smile